Hi, how are you? My name is Tess Gillis, and I am on the teaching team here, and I'm excited to bring us home, all right? Week six of Romans. There's lots of good stuff um, in the book of Romans, so it's exciting to wrap things up tonight. I'm going to dive right in because I found this week, even though there were parts that I was kind of like, I don't really know what to do with that, I found some of it a little bit chunky um, to try to condense. So um, I want to emphasize three of the themes from this week's lessons. The Christian unity, trusting God when your plans are changed, and the impact of other believers on our lives. So diving off into Romans 15, Paul's really trying to reconcile church members who come from very different cultural backgrounds. He makes the point that Gentiles are no less covered by Jesus' sacrifice than anybody else. And he uses scriptures from the Old Testament to show that all along that was God's plan to reveal himself to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. So in verses 8 through 13, he, he says, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. So these are all scriptures. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, um, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. He quotes from 2 Samuel twenty-two fifty, Psalms eighteen forty-nine, Deuteronomy thirty-two forty-three, Psalms one seventeen one, and Isaiah eleven ten. Paul is using scriptures that the Jews knew and trusted and held as true. He wasn't claiming some new, you know, revelation that only he had from the Lord. He's using things they knew and trusted. So this is important because within the two cultures, there are a lot of ideas on each side about what's right and what's wrong and what's okay and what's not okay. And this is for me, but not for you. Um, some of it was like, what foods were okay for some of them to eat. It might, there was also a lot of debate around whether or not the Gentiles should be circumcised. And that's kind of an issue I hope they would get right, right? <laughs> so isn't that the way that it is in church today? You've got people from all types of backgrounds, experiences, all at various points in their faith walk. And we have to learn to live and be in community together and deal with those differences in a way that doesn't sacrifice unity. In chapter 15, in verses 1 and 2, Paul says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, for Christ did not please himself. On issues that may be a struggle for some Christians, others might not feel the same. And in these cases, we're to show consideration to our brothers and sisters. And it may be at a cost to ourselves. For example, and this is just an easy one I tried to think of, drinking could be a struggle for one person, but not for another, right? And so when you go to dinner with them, you know, if you're going to dinner with a person that that's a struggle, skip the wine. And... You're doing this for them, not for you. You're putting them first, not yourself. Be considerate. Be humble. 
be gentle, bear each other's burdens, and don't please ourselves. I've got another example. My husband and I were members of a small Methodist church in Tuonium when our son was born, and we were there a lot of years. In the Methodist tradition, they baptize us babies um, into the family of God, but we had decided that we wanted um, our son to have a dedication and then follow with baptism once he was a little older and had professed his faith, much like here at LifePoint. The pastor there had never heard of a baby dedication before. And so, he, but he was very supportive in working with us to put one together. He considered our needs above the tradition of the Methodist church, which for us fostered a greater sense of unity. And he used a modified um, baptism liturgy as the basis for the dedication service. And we so appreciated his support. And when our first two kids were older, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there, they were baptized in that church where, I don't know if you know, but they like take from the little, like tiny little font and they sprinkle water. Um, so when our youngest was ready to be baptized a couple years ago, we were here at LifePoint where people are fully immersed. I'm pretty sure my middle daughter was sad that she missed out on the hot tub <laughs> baptism experience. <laughs> But let's be real. Unity in Christ doesn't mean constant agreement with each other 100% of the time. It also doesn't mean looking the other way when someone is engaged in active sin. And so as I thought about living together in community and overall Christian unity, I thought about two areas that I felt like this week's lesson didn't really address. And the first is is dealing with a brother or sister who is engaged in active sin. And the second is when there are differences in core doctrine beliefs. Um, and these are pretty large issues that really deserve more time and nuance than what I have here. But I thought it was worth mentioning and keeping in prayer as you navigate life in a church, okay? Jesus outlines how to handle like confronting a brother or sister and who are engaged in sin in Matthew 18 verses 15 through 18. And honestly, if you read these verses, they're very process oriented. Do this. If this, then this. If this, then this. Um, in Galatians 6, Paul really talks more about the attitude of the Christian when you're holding someone accountable. In, ver in chapter 6, verse 2, he says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. We aren't to look away. We don't ignore it. We're to be humble and gentle and keep our own attitude in check if we're really engaging in this process. Be considerate, be humble, be gentle, bear each other's burdens, and don't please ourselves. Now that other issue, sometimes within the church, there can be doctrinal differences that go far beyond service style or the timing of baptism or how to deliver communion. I particularly was thinking about the schism within the Methodist church right now because of differences in doctrine regarding the inclusion of people who are LGBTQ, particularly clergy members. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's been happening over the course of a couple years here. Um, and I'm not here to debate either side of that particular issue, but to suggest that even in these pretty heavy cases, our attitudes are important to unity. In this case, simply accommodating the other side isn't really an option because the issue is a fundamental difference in scriptural interpretation and impacts how the church is led. In cases like this, the parting of ways might be appropriate. 
However difficult, Christians who find themselves in this type of situation need to practice that same consideration of each other that we see in Romans 15 and Galatians 6. We can still be considerate. We can remain humble. We can lift each other in prayer. We can keep the lines of communication open. And we can do all of these things with love and grace so that even if there's parting, there can be some level of unity. Imagine for a moment an environment where we all put each other first. How lovely is that, right? Now that also makes me envision a four-way stop where everybody's waving at the other person to go and nobody's going. What a problem to have. Be considerate, be humble, be gentle, bear each other's burdens, and don't please ourselves. Okay, so later in chapter 15, verses 23 through 33, Paul's expressing to the church how much he longs to come see them, right? And he's made to do so after he goes to Jerusalem. And as the study book in the Bible points out, things don't go the way he intends. He winds up being taken prisoner. He gets beaten a few times. He goes to trial. He gets shipwrecked. And none of these things are on his to-do list. And I don't know about you, but I can totally relate. Or maybe not to the shipwreck, but <laughs> to the disruption of plans. Um, my gut instinct is honestly, after the events of 2020, all of us can relate to pl either our plans changing or them being changed for us. And I, honestly, as I look back at my own life, I feel like the whole thing is a series of changed plans. How about you? Anybody? Anybody relate? Yeah. Um, let's be real. These changes, they're ones that result in trial and adversity because nobody's unhappy when it's like, surprise, you got a promotion at work or surprise, your out-of-town relative is coming. Those are things we can handle. Those are exciting and good things. It's when we have things like divorce, job loss, loss of a loved one, illness or cancer diagnosis. Those are the things that disrupt our plans and sometimes for the long term. As Christians, how we manage these disruptions, um, it's important. And if our trust is truly in the Lord, then we may not love what's happening, but we can know we aren't alone. He guides us and he can work things out for us. Romans 8.28, we love it, tells us, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All right, I got some Old Testament stories for you. There's the story of King Hezekiah. The Lord sends Isaiah, the prophet, to tell the king he's going to die and he should put his affairs in order. Those weren't in his plans. Second Kings 20 verses 1 through 3 say, Then he, Hezekiah, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Please, Lord, just remember how I have walked before you wholeheartedly and in truth and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept profusely. Isaiah doesn't even get out of the courtyard. When God tells him, go back, he's heard Hezekiah's prayer. In fact, verse 5 says that God tells Isaiah to tell Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I am going to heal you. Now keep in mind, God doesn't always answer the prayer the way we want. He's not a magic genie. And for our good might not be the end of whatever trial we're going through. Let's think about the story from Joseph, of Joseph from Genesis. He had some plans. He'd seen the vision God had given to him that he'd rule over his brothers. 
but he was young and immature and pretty arrogant. So what he didn't see coming was his brothers trying to murder him and eventually selling him into slavery. He didn't see the unfair accusation of adultery and the resulting prison sentence. He didn't see coming the you know other prisoner that he helped and was like, hey, remember me, who forgot about him for like several years. So none of those things were in Joseph's plans. When things finally do go right for him years and years later and he's put in charge of Egypt, he reconciles with his brothers and says in Genesis 50, 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. God meant it for good. Ladies, when things go wrong, when things aren't going according to your plan, trust that God hears you when you pray. He hears you when you cry out. God will use what's happening for your good. God will even pray for us. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Think about that for a second. God's using everything in your life for your good. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you. God is saying, imagine God saying to you what he said to Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. Psalms 56, 8 says, you have taken account of my misery and put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Think of my buddy Job. He had some plans, and yet he experienced the loss of his children, loss of his property and wealth. His wife left and said, curse God and die. And then on top of it all, he gets sick, boils all over his body. And yet in Job 13, 15, he says that though he slay me, I will hope in him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were exiles, so already not going according to plan. And when they resisted bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar's idols and they were about to be thrown in the fiery furnace, they tell the king in Daniel 3, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Though he slay me, but if not, God meant it for good. These people all said, I'm going to trust anyway. Isaiah 26.3 tells us he keeps in perfect peace those whose mind is set on him. So when I'm struggling to trust or to calm my anxious thoughts, I like to find a verse. Sometimes it's that Isaiah verse. Um, and I recite it over and over. It might be as a prayer. It might be purely to set my mind on the Lord. It might be specific to whatever my current need is, but the peace comes. As soon as I put my mind on him, the peace comes. And for trusting in God's sovereignty, I love the verse that the author of the study writes, um, uses, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps, Proverbs 16, 9. If I'm trying to fight back bitterness or resentment for whatever the trial is that I'm going through, I also like James 1 too. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
Romans 5, Paul tells us not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For comfort when the, the trials won't overtake me, I love John 16, where Jesus tells the disciples, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And as someone who lived through a house fire, I love Isaiah 43, 1-ish to 3. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. For remembering to not be anxious and to turn to the Lord in prayer, I love Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything, through prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There are so many more verses in this Bible that we have. These are just a few of my favorites. Um, are you dealing with disruptions in your life right now? Disruptions to your plans. Do you have a verse to use as your trust verse? If you need help coming up with one, talk to your discussion group leaders. Come find one of us on the teaching team. Come find me, and maybe we'll find one together, okay? Um, I encourage you to do that. And so lastly, I want to talk about spiritual friends. Honestly, if you are experiencing a disruption to your plans, these are the people that you can lean on the heaviest during these times. In Romans 16, Paul lists so many people he's grateful for and who've played a role in supporting him and his ministry. If you were able to do the homework this week, the author asked you to think about people who had impacted your life. Who came to your mind? Could you reach out to anybody? For me, I thought of Barbara Stedman, the Sunday school teacher at church when I was in junior high and high school. She took me under her wing and made it safe for me to ask questions and grow in my faith. I thought of Linda Harris, founder of Camp Willow Run, where I worked for several summers and, and worked full-time for two years and met my husband. Um, she's a woman of solid faith who asked the Lord to move mountains and trusted in his vision and provision and saw his faithfulness in moving those mountains over the last 55 years. I'm grateful that many of the people I thought of are here tonight. The women's ministry Bible study teachers, women who dig into the word and faithfully prepare lessons for all of us in this church. I learn and grow and am encouraged by every single one. The discussion group leaders who show up faithfully and encourage us all to attend, who give guidance in the lessons, who pray and encourage their groups. I'm grateful for Carrie, my co-leader, who encourages, challenges us, leads, guides, and prays for us all very faithfully. And last but definitely not least, I'm looking at my ladies in the front row, our Bible study group, at the drop of a hat, they, if you text our group with a need, they write prayers out in that moment. They give you support and hope and encouragement. It's, it's like nothing I've ever experienced anywhere else. And I cherish each of you and your beautiful, loving hearts. As you leave this place tonight, sisters, 
my prayer is that we will be considerate of each other and grow in unity, that we would trust God when our plans are disrupted, using his word to guide us and bring us peace, and that we would not only be supported and encouraged by other influential Christians in our lives, but that we would be that encourager and supporter to others. Okay, and because I like to do a little song every time I teach, um, I'm going to whip out my guitar. Now, I didn't have my act together enough to get you some words, but I hope it's a song we've sung up in the big church. It's Lord of All. Um, and so if you know it, please sing along. This is not like a me show. Um, so if you pick it up, please sing along. Go stand, ladies. Jesus, I Pray that you would go with us this night. Um, 
help us to leave this place changed, looking to you um, in whatever the circumstances may bring us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.